Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Good afternoon. It'll be December. And then December happened, hi man. It is summer, we were saying on the way in. Yeah, nah. In Australia, (laughs) we do our seasons by the calendar, whereas many other countries do it by the phase of moon. So in Australia, it's summer. What countries do by the phase of moon? Uh, USA, I think. Maybe. In fact, most of them, I think. Really? Yeah. So it becomes like the f- the full moon becomes the marker I of the No, we should have asked the scientists, shouldn't we? No. Um, or, or an astrologist. But it, it came up because we were hooning around Melbourne in your car thinking, gee, it doesn't feel very summery. We did a lot of hooning this morning, didn't we? Did we? <laughs> a little bit. We had a few missions and we're going to talk yeah. about some of them shortly. We will. Uh, so anyway, here we are. It is summer of um, of... Of a start of summer, anyway. Happy, uh, happy Sunday to everyone. How you doing? What, what are you up to? Mm. Sounds good. Oh, you're going to clean out the shed, eh? Okay, well, good on you. Uh, we have got an indulgent little repast here. We do. Uh, we we've got a guest in the green room, which I'm can't wait to uh, whom mm. I can't wait to have a chat to. We've got Duncan Buchanan, who has promised us a landline. Yes, frequent listeners will remember the last time we tried to cost to Duncan. It didn't, the Buchanan debacle. It didn't really. <laughs> he just seems to live on the edge of mobile phone connectivity. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, we, we hope that's going to go well. We've got yep. market report for you today. Yes. And, uh, Gee, market was busy this morning. Market was busy this morning. Um, and uh, we had a little bit of a... Uh, a bit of a side trip where Matt was telling me the fact that, hey, I've got some cheese. That's sort of how it started, wasn't it? Because we were going to do a What's That In Your Mouth, and I said to Cam, i got a good one this week. Yeah. Uh, and I started talking about this cheese. And, it and, was, I, and no, to which I said, yeah. so did you bring it? And you and Matt <laughs> looked a little bit embarrassed and askance and went, um, no. It's at home in the fridge, Cam. Oh, what the good is it there? Anyway, so we decided that after doing Market Report... Yeah. Um, we should tear up yeah. at 40 kilometres an hour. Uh, <laughs> uh, where do we go? Lonsdale Street up to the Spring Street Grocery where we picked up some cheese. And what have we got here in front of us? It is. The reason I talked to you, it's actually, it was, it is from Oregon. Mm. Uh, Oregon in the United States. It's the Rogue River. What are its origins? The Rogue River Special Reserve Blue. Uh, it's a cow's milk blue cheese. Turn that around for a second. You it should, is. Should, it's not- it is wrapped... Oh, it's rogue. Yeah. I was reading as French going, Rouge River, and I'm going, mm, Red Rivers aren't probably good, are they? And the reason we're waxing lyrical about it is because it won, uh, about a month and a half ago, it won the title of World's Best Cheese. And this isn't the-, the Wagga Wagga show we're no, talking about, are we? this is like the World of Cheese Awards in Italy. Okay. And so, and we thought, well, let's, let's give it a try. So if you're interested in eating what is currently the best cheese in mm. the world... Mm. Um, you can get some down at uh, Grocer there in Spring Street. It's not cheap. Yeah. It's one, uh, one one thing you haven't done, though. What's that? Describe it. Yeah, well, how about... What is it? Yeah, well, it's... Uh, blue vein cheese. Yes. It's um, it's cow's milk, as Matt said. Yes. I was listening. Um, it is uh, wrapped in vine leaves that have been infused or macerated with... with, with brandy. Pear brandy. Yes. Pear brandy soaked Shiraz leaves, coated blue mould cheese... Boy, this stuff doesn't grow on trees. One ninety-five a kilo, <laughs> Jesus! But what that trade? So you, it's about twenty bucks for a hundred grams. Yeah, and uh, and we thought, bugger it, uh, it's getting towards Christmas. Yes. So we got a big slab of Comp Day, and we're going to feed that to our guest, who's yes. going to be coming in soon. His name is Alejandro Sarieva. Mm. Uh, I need to apologise to him as soon as he comes in because I did a terrible <laughs> faux pas oh, a while really? ago. Yeah. Dining with Heart Dinner, yeah. Palais Theatre. Yeah. Bring on the chefs, I'm emceeing, right? Yeah, yeah. And I called him Alejandro Sarajevo. Oh. And he just looked at me so hurt. He's going, you just screwed up my name in front of all these people. Yeah. Anyway, so I will redress that. Sure. Uh, um, gonna- and how, where's Alejandro from? Cameron? He is from, well, originally? Yeah. Peru. Yes. The land of, uh, of uh, Pastuzzo. Yes. Which is that bear creature, Paddington. 
Mm. Strange. Anyway, it's a strange story. Let's let's just leave the bear alone. Um, Alejandro is the executive chef at Pastuzzo. Yes. And uh, he has his fingers in many pies. Really? A lot of them reaching out to the east. Yeah. Because he's been a great supporter of Gippsland. But we'll talk more about that when he comes in. So we'll mm. talk about... Uh, and we'll just have a chat. You know, the yep. usual thing on a, on a Sunday. We've got a market. Duncan Buchanan's standing by. Um, so as well as the world's best cheese, we have to um, throw a bouquet up to Heelsville. Speaking of world's best, yeah. so it's only announced this week. So it must be a maybe it's food award season in Europe. Um, the 50th International Wine and Spirits Competition was held in London. Well, it makes sense because usually the food awards are sort of held around, you know, after the harvest is in. Yeah. Or autumn is, right? Because, yeah, that's yeah. what happens in Melbourne. Um, anyway, the reason we're mentioning that is because Melbourne's own Four Pillars were award- was awarded World's Best Gin. We're kind of surrounded by World's Best today. World's Best Gin, um, I believe, for just their straight up gin. I actually didn't read further down than that, but um, wow. good on those guys. So, yeah, Matt Jones, Stuart Gregor and Cameron McKenzie would be very happy people being the... Uh the Four Pillars founders. So congratulations yes. to you guys. Yes. Uh, 1208, um, we should probably, what do you reckon, move on to yeah, Alejandro? Yeah, why not? Um, hope you're enjoying your Sunday. Join us or stick with us. We're delighted that you're here. You are on the R's. We'll be back with Alejandro. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a good feel. You are listening to 3 RFM. Edith is the name of the show. My name is Cam Smith. Cross me, I have... I'm Matt Steadman, and also joining us in the studio... Is a man whose name I will pronounce right, and uh, <laughs> here it comes. It's, it's been a few months in coming, this apology. Alejandro Sarieva. Saravia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's Come on, go. third time lucky. You have to be. <laughs> well, at least I didn't try to call you a Yugoslavian town. Yeah, no. Okay, so anyway, for that... Say that again. Saravia. Saravia. Yeah, perfect. See, there we get there. Huh? Just a little bit of practice. How many years have we known each other now? And a lot. <laughs> I remember you were so hurt when you came out dining with my cam. You just screwed up my name. <laughs> anyway, let's not dwell on I'm it. I'm just getting used to the hey, hey, ho, hey. <laughs> God. <laughs> to avoid pronouncing my name, but it's all good. It's uh, all good. I know it's hard. <laughs> uh, no, it's just. You should do it right. Uh, if you can't see me, I'm, I think I'm blushing on air. But anyway, happy Sunday, happy summer, happy su- well summer. I <laughs> know, oh, right? I uh, don't worry. We'll be we'll be cursing it before too long. <laughs> we really will when it when it comes to February and the apocalyptic north winds will be coming down. We'll be going. God, I wish it was like that first day of summer. You're a very busy man. I am. Yeah. This is one of those. It's like someone said to me. It's sort of like. Uh, you're a little bit like Beyonce. <laughs> in that you in live which sort way? Of, well, 48, <laughs> Elaborate, hour, 48 hour days. Just okay. it, It's amazing how much you actually do and get done and the things that you have in the air. So, um, Pastuzzo has been something that is... Um, really close to my heart. Really close to your heart. Still and is. How many years now? Uh, five years, actually. This year has been our fifth year open mm. in Melbourne. We had your neighbour in last week. Which neighbour? Uh, Adam. From Lee Ho Fook. Ah. Uh, Victor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he came in. and uh, he, So uh, it's, a, it's around to just up the, the eastern end of uh, Flinders Lane. Yeah, down ACDC Duck, Lane. Duckboard Place comes around the corner to ACDC Lane and you have that wonderful little well, spot well, there. Well, the old uh, cherry bar was. Sadly, it's not there anymore. So, what happened to Cherry? Cherry's gone. They're gone. I think they're relocating. Yeah, because yeah, I had a peek in there the other day and went, oh, there's not a lot happening in here. Yeah. Anyway, one of the great institutions has left. But uh, you yeah. have been serving and turning us on to Peruvian food in all its um, all the interest that that is with Peru, with the geography and the influences. That some some really great ingredients as well. Yeah. Pisco is one of them. Who's had Pisco out there? Anybody had p- Can you just describe what Pisco is for those well, that might have not pisco, have had it? Pisco is a spirit, the still spirit um, base of grapes. Yep. 
Uh, it's what tequila is for the Mexicans, pisco is for us. Uh, or, or maybe the uh, grappa, grappa for, the Italians. for the Italians. Yeah, so yeah. it's, it's un, unwooded brandy. Yeah, it's exactly. Some That's say the, the best U- definition. Uruguayans make the best pisco in the world. No way. <laughs> there's only one pisco. I'm sorry, but there's only one. You walked into and my trap. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is also makes the, one of the great drinks, the pisco sour, and possibly the most deadliest drink I think Matt and I have ever had in our lives. Who's? So, do you want to describe that, Matt? The il capitan. Oh, capitan. Yeah, capitan. Capitan, which is just pisco <laughs> and sweet vermouth and just chuck ice cubes and. We were, having, we were having them for barbecue day, weren't we? Yeah, we had. Yeah, yeah, we got, got a little messy. Three or four too many. <laughs> but also, the, the great thing is getting us to understand about the area and influences of Peru with the the indigenous, the conquistadors, and of course the Takai with the Japanese yeah. influence in this incredible cuisine. Well, in Peru, as you said, Cam, we have three different regions ah. that divide the country in, in this three different ecosystems in some way as well like the coast of peru Mm. very great um, seafood yeah great seafood amazing coastline really rich um desert there's a lot of valleys as well where Mm we they grow a lot of vegetables and there's in the in the uh, south part of lima um there's mainly vineyards as well yep um then you have the um, uh, andean sierras all the highlands um, diversity of uh, potatoes. The home of the the, yeah, the, home, the home of the, of the potatoes. potatoes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then the Amazon jungle will bring all the tropical the 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 river fish from the Amazon river as well. Yes. So each region is very very different. And on top of that, we have the four main different influences: Spanish to start, then Japanese, African, and Chinese. Chinese as well. Yeah. And I think it's been interesting observing what you do and your MO, shall we say, your modus operandi, which has been very much about seeking out people, places, and produce. Yeah, well... That's that's been something that's just driven you since I've, I've known you about making great relationships, and you've sort of mainly been looking east. Yeah, I mean, um... One of, as I was telling you before we started the show, um, Pastuso, it's, 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 it's a very, it's very close to my heart. It's, it's not just a restaurant. It's not a project of fruit and beverage. It's, uh, an introduction of a new cuisine, uh, into a new country, into a new market. Mm. I've been doing it for the past almost 10 years when I was in Sydney, I started there and then. Uh, the whole idea was consolidated by opening Pastuso five years ago. Mm. Um, in the process, three years ago, I needed to find more, um, a deeper meaning to all my my cooking. In And in some way, I found it uh, by searching for the source of the ingredient. And in that search and that journey i obviously met all these people and i focus in one region which was it it is gippsland Mm. um by meeting all the farmers the producers winemakers um even the people that just lived in gippsland and they have different traits there as well not necessarily directly um involved in the hospitality industry or the food industry um I discover uh, a great sense of identity, and and I think that's a very very important part of being a human being and belonging into a place or a sense of place or that you are from here. Mm. Um, I remember uh, when I came to Australia 13 years ago. I was on the search of what is the true Australian cuisine. <laughs> And Sorry, I laugh because yeah, we we'd gone through that for many years as well, and yeah, we yeah. But uh, I think by meeting all these people, by listening to their stories, by traveling to the region and staying in the region a lot, I actually spent the whole day yesterday visiting some friends at Hoggett Kitchen in Warragul, and I bump into Hoggett's um, Kitchen, yeah, and I bump into um, yeah. Patrick Sullivan, yes, a great winemaker. 
and then we went to Lok, stop at the distillery there, and then uh, a deli that I love that it's called the Minion Store in Minion. Yes. Um, you know, like, and that sense of community, that sense of place, that that identity was very important in the whole in the whole search of where the ingredients are coming from. It's just sort um, of like almost like finding your your tribe in a, in a way or i have a, a very very good friend of mine who uh, he might be listening g'day buddy if you are he has a great term lmi a like-minded individual because mm-hmm. that's what you're looking for the people that share your values and exactly. your ethos yes and your passions you know without yeah. getting too wanky about it no and, yeah. and and two and a half years ago we were expecting our first uh son our first child mm. coral and i and and lucas was coming very very soon so i think that was a turning my life when i thought i feel a little bit responsible to show this little guy that is coming to leave and it's been born here to show him where what's his house like you know like where is he belongs from like i don't know like that that sense of of sense of identity for him to to feel that he belongs into a certain place i'm peruvian i i i australia it's my home and i miss australia when i'm not here mm. and when i away for too long i i consider Australia, my home, and I love it here, but I'm always going to be Peruvian. My wife is from Spain, and she's always going to be Spanish. He needs to feel and be super, super proud where he is from. So for me, that was very, very important that I in some way show him, you know, you are from Victoria, you are from Australia, and this is, this is your house, this is your culture, this is your people. Got it. Can I ask you just a, maybe a bit of a flip? Well, I was being a bit, little bit flippant before where I sort of just chuckled when you said searching for Australian. What is Australian cuisine to you now? Have, have you? I think Australian cuisine. Because I have some for, ideas. Yeah. yeah. Australian. I think we've been looking at the wrong way. I've been, I think at the wrong end of the stick, yeah. to use an Aussie expression. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think we've been looking, we've been trying to tag a certain flavor or a certain style of cooking technique yeah, yeah. or utilizing certain ingredients as this is or a, a particular dish mm. as this is Australian cuisine. Yep. I think Australia is going gonna, is gonna to have a multi-flavored cuisine, but it's going to be more about what the regions, that what that identity, what that sense of place of each region has to offer. Yes. You know, like when so you great if the recognizing the wonderful diversity of the country with the makeup filtered through incredible ingredients, exactly. Rather than saying the other way around, rather than saying pavlova, this is our signature dish. Emu. <laughs> it was yeah. like when we, we thought, I know, we'll eat the the coat of arms. That yeah. was that was the the answer. Yeah. Um, but so. I think if we look at it that way, if we look at it, the sense of place, the biodiversity, mm. the uh, the people, the communities around, that is what makes Australian cuisine interesting. Yes. And I think a lot of chefs nowadays are going that way, are traveling more and getting out of their way yes. to try to find those answers. You know, and through the journey of my, my journey on discovering Gippsland and my journey of starting to understand more and more what Victorian culture is. Yes. Because we make the culture, you know. It's not just one element, which is the cuisine. It's the people as well. And it's not fixed either, is it? It's, no. It evolves all exactly. the time. Yeah, yeah. I think people are, risk, are, are valuing more and more what, you know, the old school way of, doing things or uh, in some way the, uh, a little bit of the mentality as well of approaching certain problems you know going back to understanding what the seasons are how the land you supposed to be treated or uh, worked mm. as well so i found all those elements and also it's on the stories you know like you you go to i mean for, as an example you go to my country in peru and there's always 
tales of what the elder people were telling their their siblings, the the the, the children, mm. and those tales goes like pass on generations after generation. It's the same, but I think we haven't had the time because I mean Australia is a very young country to listen to those tales, and that's something that had uh, inspired me to create what Farmer's Daughters is going to be next year at AD Collins. Whoa, okay. Hey, bang. Look well, at you, you, you introduced <laughs> that one. Shaboom. Because 80 Collins Street. Where's 80 Collins Street, first of all? What ends of, that? In the corner of Collins and Exhibition Street. Are you in that new giant building? I'm in the little one in between the two giant buildings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, look at my big brother there. Yeah. So tell us about, tell us about that. So... Uh, Farmer's Daughters is basically uh, the um, base is basically the result of all this journey and meeting all these people and understanding the ingredients and 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 trying to discover this amazing region which is Gippsland and bringing it closer to Melbourne. It needs promotion. It needs help. Well, I think. People are looking at Gippsland more and more. Mm. Before it was like, oh, it's a bit too far away. It's just under two hours. Mm. Look, nowadays, uh, I think people are used to travel a little bit more. The roads are perfect. Mm. The scenery and the journey is amazing. I quite so, like going by train. Yeah. By train well. is awesome. Let's go back to 80 Collins Street, though. So, so there's going to be a, a place. It's, it's a opening three, when? Um End of April 2020. Okay. So it's been a project that he's been working on the th- on, th- on three years. Never yes. meant to be uh, a stable a, a restaurant. It was more to be working with the farmers and all that. But I think now we found a, a house for this project. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's a three level side. The ground level is the deli eatery, which main- mainly represents the region coming to Melbourne. Mm. Um, and we will have a small boutique produce on sale there in the deli. Uh, we will be able to eat what the farmers are telling us to eat. It's a, it's a concept that it's drive by farmers and producers and not much the chefs uh, imposing, I want to cook with this. No, it's the actual growers saying, no, actually, you want to eat this because this is really, really good now. Exactly. You don't want to eat those because they kind of suck at this time of year. <laughs> exactly. Come on, mate, and listen then, to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And then the first level will be the restaurant. We have designed uh, a campfire cooking kitchen equipment or an island. Mm. Um, the chefs work around it. It's all sourced but with fire, so there's no electricity or gas in that level. Mm. Um, and it represents what the the old uh, farmers used to, how they used to source their, 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 their campfire um, meals by, you know, like, trans, uh, transiting cattle from one farm to the other one or from the highlands in in Gippsland to the coast in Gippsland as well. So from east to south Gippsland, uh, west is Gippsland to south Gippsland as well. Mm. Uh, They stop in these camps and they set up fire and they cook with it. And there's a lot of stories behind it. And then the rooftop is basically our greenhouse. Oh, no, sorry. Okay, sorry. It's our herb herb garden. Yes. Uh, we are working with a lot of native Australian herbs you, that grow. You can put the hives region. up there too. Uh, well, have to get, you get Matt and Let's Vanessa organised yeah. to maybe put a put a hive there. Look, okay, that sounds great. We look yeah. forward to that eating. Mm-hmm. Just uh, there's one more important question. I'm sorry to cut you off. What are you eating for lunch today? Uh, I actually have an Alp- alpine trout uh, on the fridge. We went to Gippsland yesterday, so mm-hmm. we stopped at the Alpine Trout Farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a few trouts, chuck it in the oven, really simple, olive oil, mountain pepper in between. And uh, I did a Spanish omelette last night. Oh, really? So yeah. that's just ready to go? Yeah. So very simple and seasonal. <laughs> and Cam, but wait, there's I'm going to use <laughs> our friendship today. Cause oh, yeah? Why? I just got a text message. Yeah, from whom? From my wife, and she said, "Can you please say hi to Lucas and Gonzalo, which is my two, are my two sons?" Well, you better say hi. How boys? How are you? <laughs> They're having lunch now. <laughs> are you Are you behaving? Are you being good to your mother? <laughs> of course they are. Yes. Alejandro, it's always great to see you. Same. Um, and just uh, we could be talking for hours. I know it's it's really just a thing, but we've we've got to go to market, which is uh, a little bit of a shame, Alejandro. Look forward to seeing you soon. 
and keep on promoting the great area that Gippsland is, emerging, continually emerging area. Yeah. And, wow, it's going to be an interesting place at 80 Collins Street. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Well, so am I. Matt, shall we move on? I think so. Some music, Ken. Oh, music. You remember that? And we can have some cheese. Yeah. Right, I hear cherries. Yes. Cherries, cherries, cherries. Plenty of cherries. John, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I probably need another coffee. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I've had two and I'm just starting to get going. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's sort of a day. It's a, what do we call this sort of a day? Nothing really much is happening. First of summer, but it ain't summer. That's what we're going to call it. It isn't. Well, it's it's probably a little bit kind to the the produce. Uh, What's been happening during the week produce-wise? Uh, we're a little bit all over the shop. Some produce suffered and some didn't. Yeah, because um, we were talking a few weeks ago and we were talking about uh, Yapoon. Yes. And, and there were fires around Yapoon. Yes, Does fires it... and... Yeah, some, some of the uh, fruit from up there got um, uh, frizzled and mm. frazzled and our peas that came from North Victoria got frazzled. They looked like you could light a fire with them. Really? So we got some from southeast Victoria down... Uh, the bottom, you Dead know, Gippy, around yeah, that, that way, yes, uh, yeah. and they were nice and fresh and vibrant. Oh, so good. you know, that little bit kinder weather down there. Mm. Uh, tomatoes are still doing okay. We got lovely tomatoes out of Murray Bridge. Mm. Um, we got about five or six varieties of heirlooms, and they've all been beautiful, and they've all been running away, which is good. Why well, send cherries over there for four bucks? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's a, a first year. I, I think no, no, that's the. Five dollars. Five behind, yeah. even that's cheap. Um, th- there's probably a first year tree that that's just starting to produce, so the berries are small. Yeah. And um, even though they're seed, small, seed to fruit ratio is down. Yeah, yeah. but still they're beautiful either. Um, have a, a little snack with them, or you can even stew them up and have them with ice cream at that say price. Pie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So they've got to get them off the tree, so they pull them off. Uh, bigger tre- cherries, premium, probably about twenty dollars a kilo. Definitely worth buying because small stone, a lot of fruit, bang flavour. When you eat one of those, you'll remember it for quite a while. There's sort of two types of cherries we're sort of saying here. One is the ones that you put in the bowl at the middle of the table and the others that you cook and put in other things. Definitely, and yeah. there's so many things you can do with them too. Yeah, yum. Um, what do you got for me? You want I to want show to show you, you celery? This, this celery. Um, this is probably one of the best celery growers in Australia. Oh, yeah, where but, are they? Um, down down um, Cranbourne Way, Clyde, down there. Yeah. Um, what makes it so good? Well, Soils. the soil, um, the right seed, right grower, right water, right everything. Celery needs a sort of a bit of a sandy soil, if yes, I'm right. Yes, it does. It does. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and lovely water as well, which they got. But at the moment, some of the celery is looking a little bit... Uh, weird. This one uh, is actually going to seed. As you can see, it's a very dark green, um, wispy sort of celery. It's got a lot of side shoots growing up. Still got um, a white heart in there. A though. white heart, which is um, starting to shoot up. Yeah. And actually, the quality of that heart's not very good. It's rather coarse. Normally, the heart's nice and tender. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, th- there are some beautiful celeries too. It's just all over the place, but we, we'll get there. It was you that taught me, isn't it, John? You've taught me a lot of things over the years, mate. Hopefully. Well, you know. Uh, but to make a salad from the middle part of the celery, just that sort of white part of the salad, yeah. that makes an awesome salad. Just like, sliced finely. Like everything, everything's got its job in life. The outside leaves go into a stock. The inner leaves a little bit. You might put a little bit of... Um, peanut butter or uh, uh, an anchovy on the top and a heart you chop up and um, you know and not many of us use the big leaves anymore but that all used to go into the stock once yeah Uh, really get that intense flavor and color Um, sometimes the outside leaves can be very very bitter but Mm. when you put it into a stock all the flavors combined that really accentuates everything else yeah yeah no that's um that sounds good. How much is it? Uh, we're selling big salaries for $3 Ooh, each. That's a big flavour. Yeah, it I is, just, definitely. I just ate a leaf and it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I said. They're very strong. Mm. Sometimes it can be uh, a little bit bitter, but not yeah. always. Oh, um, and you forgot about one thing, the use of uh, a celery stalk as 
the food in a Bloody Mary. So the, the great justifier as to why you're having it. Yeah, mum, I've had two of my veggies already. <laughs> yeah, I've eaten my veggies today. Anyway, so, um, so how, how much did you say those Three dollars for a big one. Okay, that's kind of... That's and we do halves. Um, what do we got? Uh, with, uh, fruit, very quickly. Oh, fruit, again, there's an, an abundance of Longans have and, just come in. If, and there's... there's um, I think they were, um, what are they called, rambutans I yeah. saw in the wholesale market. Mm. Um, What's your favourite out of those three? So we got longans. Uh, 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 well, I'm rather rude when I see the longans, which they call dragon eyes. Mm. I say that's the poor man's uh, lychee. Yeah, lychee, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, lychee's my favourite. Longans, lychees, rambutans. And rambutan, beautiful. You get the coloured ones, which give a little bit of a uh, different colour for the eye, but the flavour's all pretty mm. good. And we're lucky they're grown in Australia now, uh, up far north. Uh, there's still heaps of mangoes. There's R2E2, those calypsos, yeah, not my favourite. Yeah, yeah. uh, and still plenty of uh, KP. It's just weird. There is only one mango as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but some people like those huge boulders, um, R2E2. To me, um, because of my hay fever, they taste like kerosene, so... We well, don't eat them. And, and also, yeah, turpentine kerosene, because that's sort of the flavours that yeah, mangoes yeah, can go to. Yeah, some people love it. So, yeah, you know, and, horses for courses. And, and that's for you guys to work out which ones you like. And that uh, gets back to what uh, John says about the market, about coming in and picking the eyes out of the market and seeing what, what looks good. Yeah, well, look, there's even bananas a dime a dozen. Again, they're 2 two twenty a kilo. Mm. Um, big sugar bananas, 4 or 5 bucks a kilo. Um, yeah, tell me. Okay, you ready for this? This is decadent, right? I want you to, this is maybe you, you get your partner on board with this one. You get a banana. Touch, just maybe not, not ripe, ripe, but, you know, firm, okay? Right. Yes. Get that banana, cut it in half. Yes. In a pan. Yes. You put butter into yes. the pan. Yes. You wait until it foams, right? Yes. You got that? So yes, you're yes. doing that. You then place the bananas down, face down, you know, smooth side down, just slightly browned, right? Okay. Then flip it over. So you flip the bananas over. You don't want to burn the butter, but here comes the thing. You add golden syrup, brown sugar, rum. Ah, uh, yes. Mate. And then you flambe it. The rum goes catches. This alchemy happens where everything just comes together and it makes a sauce. And the colour too. And the colour. And the colour. And, and the fragrance goes right through oh. the house. And then you serve that with the best vanilla ice cream you can find. Oh, yes. Oh. That's the life, eh? Oh, my God. But I'll tell you another naughty, naughty way. Go on. Ham steak in a pan with a bit of water. Yeah. All the salt and the, and the fat comes out of the your ham steak. Okay. You brown your ham steak. So what's happening? The, you said water, though. You, yeah, water. Yeah. So you get a lot of that salt and fat out of the so ham. So it's just there to take that out and yes. then it evaporates away. Yes, and then okay. you brown your ham. Yeah. And then you take your ham out, you put a little bit more water, yeah. and then you put your bananas in, and then you brown your bananas in that. Uh, ham and banana? Yeah, no mate. You try oh, it, mate. Oh, okay. You know, sometimes we get bored and we ham do and these banana. things. But, yeah, I get called stupid for doing things like that. But, jeez, it's fun. <laughs> All right, sorry about that digression, but I, I just got reminded. That was a dish my dad used to do. Yeah, I see. He used to call them Jamaican bananas, and then yeah, we moved yeah, to yeah. Australia. And then they became Bundaberg bananas. Yeah. All right, so, anyway, that's for you guys out there, too. Um, give that a go. Um, what do we got? Oh, we might as well do uh, tomatoes and pick of the market. All right. Um, now, like I said before, beautiful cherry tomatoes on the stem have been running away. Mm. We've got mini truss tomatoes been running away. Mm. Um, all the other varieties have all been beautiful. We've had green ones for salad, right ones for eating, right ones for cooking. Uh, Roma's dime a dozen for cooking as well. So this people have been making their um, sauces and chutneys as well. Yep. Uh, we're doing deals on them. Uh, pick of the market today. Oh, geez, that's a hard one, mate. Yeah, I, I, I... Asparagus still cheap? As, no, they're not. Asparagus uh, are on the way out, so uh, maybe we'll give that a quick talk. Uh, um, they're still looking pristine, yeah. but we're selling 16 a kilo. Woo. Some people are saying, woo, like you just right. did. Woo. But I, um, you know, 
I, I sold some to some of the girls and they took them home and come back and I thought they were nearly going to kiss me. They were so happy, you know. Really? They were really, really... All you got to do is warm them through. You don't have to overcook asparagus. Mm. A little bit of crunch. You can just brush them with oil onto a char grill or, or even a griddle or whatever, or even in un, under the grill. Yeah. So Your best olive oil in Parmesan? Oh, definitely. And we got good olive oil from Western Australia. Mm. Uh, Sumich oil, which is good. It's uh, cans, only 25 bucks. So mm. come and have a look. Um, look, we've got beautiful cucumbers and lettuce for salads, tomatoes to go beside that. Beautiful capsicums from South Australia. A little bit dearer this week, $6 a kilo. I've got the pick of the market. Tell me. I've got the pick of the market. You passion just see fruits, that? five for $2. Yeah, definitely. Get, 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 it's in, passion fruit. In a, in a big glass of lemonade or a bowl of ice cream, mate, to die for. Bana- uh, ice, um, icing on a banana cake. Oh, definitely. Oh. I'll have to talk to the manager about that. All right, let's go. Um, you've got homework, the banana thing. Yes. I want to hear about that. <laughs> 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 and, um, and and I might try the uh, the ham steak banana. Yeah, and look, it, it, it works. All right, hey, as if I'm going to disbelieve you, John. <laughs> All right, I better get back to the All studio. Right. Have a beautiful week. Thanks, John. Thank you. So now it's time for Duncan Buchanan's wonderful world of wine. Yes, yeah. Don't say we don't do anything for you, Duncan. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Duncan Buchanan, like you've never heard him before. <laughs> yeah, we could just say, hi, I'm here to, f- to fix the pool. <laughs> and, and uh, well, I don't have the cheesy mo, oh, well, so well, I you can't could, do that, unfortunately. That's right. A couple, couple of weeks. How are you doing? Yeah, doing pretty well. I had to have a bit of a laugh at the um, that chat you were having with John about the ham steak recipe that he had. <laughs> <laughs> ham steak and banana. Oh, jeez, really? Whatever. But the thing I really dig about that, it reminded me there was a cookbook put out years ago called Are You Hungry Tonight? It was a collection of Elvis's favourite recipes. (laughs) Oh, yes, okay. And and what are you going to do the uh, reference to the famous sandwich? No, no, even better. One of the ones that they had was you would get about a couple of kilos of bacon, put it in a pot and (laughs) take the fat out of it, and then take the bacon out and then add, keep the fat and then add equal parts black, cold black coffee to the fat. What? Stir it, stir it up and spread it on your toast. <laughs> what? Did, and what? Like, yeah, the par- I, I've never I, tried Excuse the, me, the, Melbourne the, listeners of radio, are you doing what I'm doing now and going, what? <laughs> um, wow, bacon fat spread, coffee, yeah, God. I mean, all of, the, all of the, those um, meals that you know, Elvis was famous for, for the fr- fried banana sandwich and all the that fr- sort of stuff. Banana was, and peanut butter yeah, sandwiches, it, yeah, in butter. That was just done. I mean, when you think about it, they were dirt poor when they grew up. So they ate everything. So if the bread was off and you had a bit of oil and a mushy banana, to mm. make, make, it, make it work, you know? Yeah, and if you killed a squirrel, you'd put that in there too. <laughs> yeah, sorry, kids. No, no squirrels were harmed in, in this sort of thing. Do you still have that book? No, I never actually got a hold of it. This was, uh. yeah, a long time ago, um, back in the mid-90s. Back in the mid-90s, and um, it was a... Um, I, never, I didn't actually ever see it, but it did, there were, apparently were some cracked recipes in there, but it was all about just getting the absolute most out of the food that you bought. Okay, it was just sort of whispered about it. I think I've got an Elvis cookie cookbook there somewhere. I have to go and look in the, in the old Cam Smith library. Anyway, yeah. what's happening in the world of wine? Oh, gee, what... Isn't happening, Cam. This, I mean, happy summer, by the way. As I've, yeah, thank I'm, you. I've gone to my mate's place who's got thank a landline, and I'm sort of looking across the bay, and it's about to team rain on us. And it's just, it's been a weird, weird start to the year. I mean, we all, we always end up talking about climate change and global warming, but mm. it's been cold, you know? Well, one of the things about this new reality is climactic variation is yeah. uh, something well, that... Thank you. Hey. Growers, which is an interesting thing, because as we were chatting about the other day, Cam, the um, the whole agricultural side of um, winemaking, viticulture, mm-hmm. it's going to get more difficult. I think agriculture generally is going to get a lot more difficult because you can't bank on. I mean, weather is sporadic at best, but with the way the weather's going, it's going to get even more sporadic and harder to sort of plan and, and, uh, harder and to the plan for. and the peaks and troughs are going to be bigger. The extremes, exactly they right. say, exactly uh, right. are going to be and, bigger. Yeah, and then you've got this, um, there's a very big push at the moment towards organics, you know, organic viticulture, organic everything. And to you need to have, 
I mean, organics is great. It's a very, very good thing. I'm a, I'm a big one for it, but it just it takes a lot of work. And it takes mm-hmm. a huge amount of work to get it done. So how do you, you know, how do you, um, you, know, you can't be relying on those chemical, you know, the systemic chemical sprays anymore. Good thing. You know, well, get your vineyards more, or your agriculture generally, try and get it a bit more resilient. And the trend around the world is, uh, seems to be that uh, the, one of the main ones, Roundup, mm. i.e. glyphosate, is... Uh, looking to be banned in a yeah. lot of places. And is there, I mean, even if it's not done at a federal or a state level, there was a thing in the, um, in the age today, there's a whole bunch of um, uh, municipalities are doing it around Australia. They're just going, we're not going to be, wait- this is, we're not going to wait to be told what to do with this. We're going to do it ourselves. Yep. Um, which I think is great. And that's where it seems to be, you know, these are the, uh, you know, changing the, uh, the gigantic cargo ship that is federal parliament midstream is an impossible thing to do. But, you know, you've got your, you know, your local governments just go, no, we're not doing it. And it's great. I think that's very much a, peop- a, 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 grounds, a grassroots, you know, people-led thing. But that's, and that's the, you know, the other thing, you know, just talking especially with Roundup, that's been the go-to for farming for, was early 70s it was, you know, first put together. Mm-hmm. And um, interestingly, Monsanto made an absolute bomb out of that. The company that designed it, the, the, the manufacturer, you know, yeah, the manufacturer that created and then manufactured made an absolute bomb out of that. And now there's a bit of blowback on whether, um, you know, there's a, the three cases in the States that they've been awarded hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. But Monsanto are pushing back and going, no, we're not paying that. We're going to appeal. So it's very interesting that they you know, they've got so much money. They've just got so much money sitting there, but I guess they... And they're not afraid to, to bully people. We did a story a long time ago about a guy called Percy Schmeiser, who was a... Good name. Who was a, yeah, he was a farmer, and he was objecting to GMOs, that's right, mm-hmm. coming on to mm-hmm. his... Because there was the whole drift... Uh, yep. And uh, oh, and they were uh, Monsanto were very nasty. Though apparently they harassed his his wife. Oh, they okay. had cars at the end of his driveway for quite a while, and there was a very very active intimidation by the company. But anyway, let's let's move on from uh, the the corporate bully boys that are Monsanto. It's like not stuff that we didn't know. Where do we go um, if we ain't got no roundup? Good question, Ken. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, you're there for me, I know. Ah, um, I'm the, here for you. The, well, I mean, you we made you a theme. Ways, as we were chatting about the other day, the, um, the whole mechanisation thing, this is an interesting turn in the industry that I'm seeing. Is mm-hmm. that, you know, years ago, everything had to be um, you know, hand everything, hand pruning, hand picking, hand this, hand that. Everything had to be you had to have a person in paddock use it, utilising their hands. To Tractor monkeys. Thank you very much. Thank I was you. one myself for a lot of years. Yep. But now, a lot of the machines... Pruning getting, droid. <laughs> Sorry, go on. That's right. the, um, a lot of the machines are getting a lot smarter. They're, yeah. just, they're just really, really good. And I've seen a lot of... Part of my gear, I, sort of, I make wine, as you guys know, and I've hung on about incessantly, but part of what I do is a lot of winery set up and vineyard set up and just how, how people can run them more efficiently and, you mm-hmm. know, without utilising um, chemicals. And the, we're just seeing a big push towards... Machines that will, you know, say cultivate under the vines. So that you know, the the main thing that we use things like glyphosate for is to spray the weeds underneath the vines. Mm-hmm. People's always people have always thought that they're ugly and want to get rid of them, and they you know they can compete with vines sometimes. But in the absence of that, what do you do? You can mow it. That's a good thing. You can have a little mow that goes underneath. You can cultivate. You can turn that soil over, and that's a really good thing because you can see you get a bit more um, oxygen. Yeah, a bit of oxygen in there. You don't want too much because mm-hmm. it can cause oxidation. But more about changing the way that you think about how you farm. I mean, that's I bumped into a young couple down in Tassie maybe three months ago. They'd just taken over a vineyard. They're just gorgeous stars in their eyes. I love the wine industry. I didn't want to jade them and smash them over the head and said, "Don't, you'll go broke." I let them run with it. But they, um, they were the young lady who was part of the couple. She said, "I just don't get." why you would want to kill everything in your vineyard apart from the vine. It doesn't make sense. No, but that's, that's, that was the way that we, we thought. Or yeah. That's where a, a, still a lot of people think. You nuke everything because what do we want? Monoculture. When do we uh, want it? Still, I think. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah. No, and the, yeah. more, and the 
Yes, the other thing is that you not only just the, the danger to your your crop or to the, the operators that are utilising you know, that are putting you know various chemicals out. They're really bad for insects too. If they don't have that um you know yeah. if they don't have that diversity of um vineyard to be living in, your bees are not going to be there. All your beneficial in, in, insects are not going to be there. So people are just it's really stepping towards that big holistic approach, I suppose. But mm. the point that I was making, trying to make before with the whole. Um, what do we do? You know, people needed to do everything by hand back in the day. Mm-hmm. If we um, look at what's happening now, the machines are getting so much smarter that there's um, we will have to be utilising those because there's not a lot of people wanting to work out of doors anymore. It's hot, it's windy, it's terrible. Um, and this is I'll check and you it's night day, time too. What's that? And it's night time too. I mean, you can yep. get. Sorry, I was, that's just another consideration. Oh, for sure. And, yeah, I mean, a machine will work 24 hours. And there's... And there's I was chatting with um, your mate Dan Buckle the other day, who makes wine for Domain Show and Don, and we're just talking about the whole labour shortage thing that's going on. Mm. It's, a, it's a global phenomenon. I mean, you'd think you know, two of the biggest players going, you know, in um, China and India, apparently they're, because they've got the burgeoning middle class going on there, people aren't really all that happy to be the tractor monkey anymore. No. The, um, you know, really? The, the vineyards. Well, yeah, apparently so. And uh, so... And him and I had a really good discussion about this. I thought, well, the... People so, are just going to have to... Yeah, go. No, it, 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 it's, it's going to have to change. Okay, so what I thought quickly... Well, we've still got about five minutes, that's right. What's available now in regard to AI and robots, ro- robots in the field, paddock, whatever, um, and what is coming down the pipeline? There's already some autonomous tractors out there, and you think about it. The, I mean, if you look at a vineyard, I don't know why um, that makes me laugh. Autonomous tractor, yes, <laughs> could be a good name for a band. <laughs> if you laugh, we are autonomous be, tractor. Uh, they'd be synth rock, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, they have to be. Yeah, dirty goth synth yeah. rock. Anyway, yeah, they, um, but they are. If you look at a vineyard, the perfect grid. Every, you know, every six meters or so, you've got a post. Every meter and a half or so, you've got a vine. So you've got something that an autonomous vehicle can orient itself with. And there's yeah. already machines out there, but they. You can and from uh, you can load up your machine with whatever you're putting out. You can be putting up, you know, your organic sprays, but you load up a machine that goes out and you know, sends out a mist over your vines. Like you can send out these machines, press a button, like get out in the paddock, press a button, and it'll just it'll do your vineyard while you control the whole thing from a tablet in the office. Where the hell was I? Just the other, I was watching something. I don't and know where the hell you were. I neither do I. Sometimes it's all that tequila <laughs> I've been drinking lately. Um, oh but um, the fact is that. There was a winemaker who had this thing that straddled the vines. It had these f- big fans, sort of like, uh, you know, radiator fans and atomizers, and he was putting sunscreen on yes. his yes. vines. I'd never heard of that before. Exactly right. They've been trying a lot of that sort of stuff. But regardless of the spray you're putting out, if you can press a button and the tractor buggers off from the shed and goes and does it for you, yeah. it's great. I mean, the OH&S implications are huge. Yes. Um, and once the once that machine knows your... Because the, the machines learn, once they know your vineyard pretty well, they, you can just set it, get it to go out there and do it. And another massive one that I've utilised myself is... The machine, mechanical harvesting was always such a no-no. I was like, oh, Jesus, yep. can't do that. It's going to ruin everything. We're going to yep. die. Yep. Um, and bruised fruit, bruised fruit, yeah. Yeah, but if, you, if, you, if you've got a good machine, which they have now, they've got these amazing machines that have an onboard sorter. So essentially, the, vi- the fruit gets shaken off the vine and it goes across the sorting table and anything that is not a berry gets rid- gets, is taken out of the equation altogether. How does it get so, taken out? Like oh, lasers to blow it up? Uh, I'd like to tell you, Cam, but I'd okay. have to kill you. Uh, I don't do that. But the um, but uh, so okay, so you, you have quali- as well as uh, as as harvesting, you've got a quality control aspect to it as well. Exactly. I, I utilised one of these machines in 2016 with some Grampian shreds that I made. And um, yeah, people are going, oh, sure you want a machine picker? So I kind of got it because it's busy. And uh, I got it off of that. Those wines ended up as, I think they were 99 point wines through Halliday. You know, they were just, they, they were absolutely stunning wines. So, you, you know, hmm. you can't, it's one piece of the equation, yes, the, the way that you pick, but there was no detrimental sort of effect. I mean, we picked it at about four or five in the morning, so it's freezing cold. Tip, I tipped it straight into the fermenters. And it was just, and this is, you know, this is three years ago, and the machines are getting smarter as we go. So it's, I think it's exciting that we, you know, I think younger generations are much more trusting and embracing of technology just generally. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that because you can't get bug lugs out of the paddock for, you know, 12 bucks an hour anymore. You get shot, and you should get shot if you're doing that sort of thing. Mm. So 
if you can't get someone out there doing the job for you, get a machine that'll do it. It's, and, and it's difficult for smaller players because these machines, believe it or not, they're not cheap. But, you know, if you can get contractors who have these things on board or, um, you know, uh, you know bigger, bigger concerns will be able to do them for them themselves, you'd think. I can't believe it. Are we losing you on the landline? You got me? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, sorry. No, no. Yeah, so, but it, it is interesting times. And it's sort of, I see, I see a lot of girls from very, you know, people with, you know, who do maybe three or four tonnes like me, up to people who do a couple of hundred thousand tonnes. Mm-hmm. You know, ridiculously sized places. And um, everyone's talking about organics. It is very, very interesting. And the difference, uh, oh, God, that's a whole thing I was going to say. Get introduce biodynamics, but we've got less than a minute. So I think we'd have to say, Duncan, um, a delight to talk to you. There's some very much things to, to weigh up and food for thought. Yes, thank you very much. A food for thought on a food show, Cam. You, are, you, you should do this more, Cam. You're good on radio. No, no, it's only because I have great guests who are able to make us think about things oh, like this. That. There goes the mutual appreciation. Ah, love it. it. That's why we made you your own theme. <laughs> it, it only, I'm stoked about that too. Good on you. It only took us uh, how many years? Oh, we've been chatting for over a decade, I reckon. Yeah, at least that. At least that. <laughs> well, good luck with growing that moustache so that when yeah. you... Uh, Come to fix the pool. You look I'm the part. I'm about to clean the pool at my mate's place. It's a, a bloody, it's a bin fire. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> all right. We'll leave you with that. Duncan, you thank you, buddy. Yeah. Well, there it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the end of the hour. You've got all of the afternoon to go. And uh, why would you want to go anywhere else? Yes, indeed. Uh, we have uh, two more shows to go until Christmas. We do. Hits. And next week, uh, Hard Case Harden's in. Michael Harden. Yes. And also Hugh Griffiths, oh. uh, the patron of Union Electric mm-hmm. in the city. So I'm uh, not quite sure we're going to be speaking to him, but he's uh, a good chap. Yes. We should go wherever time still here is up next. Boom. I'm just going to say... Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you, Cam. See you next week. Bye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 